Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Influence with Michelle Martin on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. Ireland and Singapore may belong to separate continents, but we have much in common. An open, dynamic economy, and we've been seeing eye to eye when it comes to experience and wisdom and valuing the older population. But we also both place a high importance on tolerance and peace. So today, from Brexit to its impact on bilateral relations between Ireland and Singapore, to uh, uh, the Singapore Irish Film Festival and a little band that's coming to Singapore. I want to know whether I will be able to still get tickets. We're going to put all these questions to His Excellency Patrick Byrne, Irish Ambassador to Singapore. Good morning, Your Excellency. Good morning, Michelle. Thank, Thank you for you. having me. Great Thank to be here. Thank you so much for my shortbread, my good luck gift this morning. Not at all. I hope you like them. They're, they're a nice <laughs> shape anyway, the shamrocks. I hope the taste is good. <laughs> I brought you a couple of other little gifts as well. Oh my goodness. This is great because this talks about the relationship between Ireland and Singapore going back for the, you know, 200 years, so it's a little Irish tour of Singapore with all the the great places and the great connections between the between the two countries. And, My and, goodness. And a little notebook and pen, always handy for a radio presenter, just to, uh, just to remember us M- by. Ambassador, thank you so much. My mother told me never to go anywhere empty-handed, and I always follow her advice. And I kept my end of the bargain. I hope you enjoy your caramel coffee this morning. Lovely. Do I get to keep the mug? You do indeed. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right. Let's get going, Ambassador. I want to start with a question that has been top of minds for about three and a half years. We have been talking about Brexit. It's dominated headlines. Mm, We are 24 days away from the deadline. October 31st is when the United Kingdom is scheduled to leave the European Union. What I want to ask you is, if we fast forward 25 days to November the 1st, will the UK still be part of the EU? It's very difficult to say, and it's not a question I think we can really answer at this stage. Of course, this is not the first deadline. That was back in March, and then we had another one in the summer, and this is the third deadline now, I suppose. So uh, so it is a valid question. But I think we are at a crunch time, and the, the still new British Prime Minister has made it clear that, that it's his intention and the intention of his government to leave on the 31st of October. And ideally, I think everybody wants that to be with a deal. Time is very short to get a deal, but new proposals have been tabled by the British government in the last few days. They are being very carefully considered by the EU representatives and negotiating team in Brussels and the, I suppose, officials and governments around the European Union. Negotiations will be continuing right through this week and I think we all hope and we all keep our fingers crossed that progress can be made and the deal can be reached uh, before the European Council, Mm. uh, which is even closer than the deadline. That's 10 days away and that's a very much crunch time where the European Union leaders will make a call on whether or not they think a deal is likely and then we'll see what happens then. Ireland is the only country in Europe to share a land border with Britain and that border has been one of the biggest sticking points of the Brexit negotiations. Boris Johnson has proposed that Northern Ireland leave the EU Customs Union but remain aligned with the EU single market. This would require a small number of physical checkpoints between Northern Ireland and Ireland. First of all, can you help us understand this plan? What would it mean for goods moving between Ireland and Northern Ireland? Well, as I understand it, it would mean that manufactured goods, what are called sanitary and phytosanitary products, agri-food uh, products basically, uh, would not be subject to regulatory checks 
on the island of Ireland, but they would be subject to checks if they moved between Ireland and the United Kingdom. So goods which went from Ireland to Northern Ireland and into the UK would be subject to these checks, or goods coming from Northern Ireland to the UK would be subject to these checks. But importantly, there would have to be customs checks on the island of Ireland. And that's something that we think is unacceptable and will be unacceptable to the people and the, and the businesses of Northern Ireland. And this is not just about or not primarily about economics or the economic consequences, although they will certainly be grave, but it's really about a peace process, which is a very fragile peace process. Peace is still being built in Northern Ireland. Confidence between the communities is still being built in Northern Ireland. And a major focus of the conflict was around the border and the, the physical infrastructure around that border. And it's certainly our concern I think a very well-founded concern uh, that if any kind of physical infrastructure re-emerges, whether that be customs posts or security barriers, you know, that would be a target for militants and dissidents and that could relatively quickly lead to an escalation of a conflict which, you know, we'd all hope had been consigned to history. Right. I want to pick up on that point of peace. For more than three decades, sectarian violence tore at Northern Ireland's mm. fabric, the Troubles, as the period is known, largely between Catholics who wanted to join a united Ireland, Protestants who wanted to remain in the UK. More than 33,500 people died. If Britain leaves the European Union, are you worried that all that fighting will return to Northern Ireland? Well, we're certainly worried that conflict will re-emerge because it will again have a focus. What we know to be true is that the peace process in Northern Ireland was greatly assisted by the integration of both Ireland and Britain into the single European market and the single European economic project. That made the border in Ireland disappear in the 1990s. It made, you know, great ease of mobility of people and goods uh, across, you know, what became a completely theoretical invisible border. And that was a huge contribution to establishing confidence, to establishing trust, to building a peace process, you know, that resulted in the Good Friday Agreement in 1998. Uh, and that's what sustained the peace process over the 21 years since then. So to recreate a border or physical infrastructure, to harden the differentiation between Northern Ireland and the rest of the island of Ireland, uh, you know, can only have negative consequences in, in the view of the Irish government. We're getting to know the Irish ambassador to Singapore, Ambassador Patrick Byrne. Your Excellency, if we zoom back out again and look at the larger picture, what in your mind is the best possible outcome for the UK and Europe? From the very beginning, you know, I mean, I think we've taken the view that, that Brexit is a bad idea. It's an unfortunate idea. Britain and the United Kingdom would have been better off staying within the European Union. But we respect the decision that was made in a democratic referendum in that country. So certainly I think our view would be that, you know, and phrases that were used all through the negotiations were, you know, seamless borders, seamless departure mm. and so forth. So, I mean, for us, I think it's a relationship with the United Kingdom that is as close as possible to that very integrated, seamless relationship we have at the moment with absolutely you know, minimal differentiation or divergence in terms of market rules, regulation, customs and so forth. That would be good for Ireland, no doubt about it. It would be good for the European Union, no doubt about it. But most of all, it would be good for Britain. It just doesn't make sense, I think, in our opinion, for Britain to isolate itself or have a very differentiated set of rules, regulations, customs, organisation and so forth from all of its neighbours, basically, in the European Union. 
Ambassador, I'd like to bring the discussion back to Asia now. We've all been closely watching the protests over in Hong Kong, which began peacefully, now increasingly characterized by violence. Mike Chinoy, a former CNN correspondent who covered the territory's return to China, has published an article asking an intriguing question. Is Hong Kong on a path to be like Belfast during the decades of the Troubles? Chinoy has just published a book about Northern Ireland, and he thinks that the parallels are striking. What do you think? I haven't read either the article or the book, so I'm not sure you know, what he bases that on. But uh, my immediate reaction would be that there are probably more, uh, more differences and contrasts than there are parallels or comparisons. You know, in Northern Ireland, as you pointed out at the beginning, you had two communities with very differing views as to you know, what should be the constitutional arrangement in Northern Ireland. And you certainly had one community which had a, a very significant grievance over what they felt, I think what Berkeley was discrimination against them by the other community. In, in housing and education and economic opportunity and all sorts of other areas. You know, the history, the geography, the culture issues are obviously very, very different from those in Hong Kong. In Hong Kong, I mean, I, I think there's nobody that dissents from the view that, that there is one China and, you know, the people of Hong Kong are citizens of China and uh, there's no alternative constitutional arrangement, you know, on the table there. But I suppose, you know, what can be said about any place where there has been conflict or any situation where there's been conflict is there's always going to be two approaches. There are always going to be people and the majority of people I think, the vast majority of people who feel that where there's conflict or tension or disagreement it is best settled by reasoned argument, by persuasion, by dialogue, by engagement and there will be, you know, inevitably a small minority of people who feel that the best way to settle an argument is by resorting to violence or taking up a gun or planting a bomb. And that can happen anywhere and Belfast is just unfortunately one of many places which are synonymous I suppose historically with that type of development so I certainly hope that's not the case and it doesn't happen and uh, you know I mean our fervent hope would be that uh, restraint will prevail on all sides they'll avoid violence and that they will opt for persuasion and dialogue in terms of trying to resolve their differences and agree you know whatever compromises might be necessary to resolve those differences We are getting to know Ambassador Patrick Byrne the Irish Ambassador to Singapore I want to switch gears and come back to Singapore home ground this October marks the 150th anniversary of Irish Stout Guinness arrival in Singapore and Malaysia a fact that you raised uh, you brought up to me I had no idea absolutely well by pure coincidence that's one of the items in my program for the day this very evening I will be joining friends and colleagues from Tayajo Asia Pacific Breweries at a venue in Singapore for a function to celebrate actually the 150th anniversary of Guinness going on sale in Singapore and Malaysia which surprised me when I heard it because Mm. you know obviously it's been a long time around in in Ireland and Europe but I guess I didn't appreciate that the chaps from the, the British East India's companies or whoever, you know, would have had such a a liking for Guinness that they would have brought it along with them in the 1860s to Singapore, to Malaysia, and have been enjoying it ever since. And of course, it's very popular still, you know, and in pubs like McGettigan's and Muddy Murphy's and uh, Molly Malone's and others, selling better and better, I think, every day. So looking forward to that tonight, as I said, it's it's a great Irish product, it's iconic. And Guinness, of course, not only, you know, provides a lot of enjoyment through its products, but also has supported a lot of, uh, you know, charitable causes and cultural uh, endeavours. And it's, it's a very strong supporter and sponsor of a lot of good things. So Ireland famous for, you know, Guinness, whiskey as well. Tell us, what is the secret to a great Irish whiskey ambassador? 
Well, a lot of it's to do with the water. Mm. I mean, it's, you know, the particular water we get from, from Ireland. And then I suppose, um, you know, also it's to do with, uh, you know, the, the land. You know, we have to, we have to grow the grain to, to, to go into the whiskey. And, and that, you know, is very much flavoured and enhanced by the rainfall that we mm. get, by the particular kind of climate that we get, by the salt that blows in off the Atlantic, all of those things, as well as, of course, by the love and the warmth and the sense of humour that's infused into the product by the beautiful Irish people. And we can all be (laughs) transported to Ireland because the Irish Film Festival is coming up. What are some of your picks? There's a lot of great things coming up. Yeah, Mm. so down at uh, Film Guard Complex in Bugis from the 16th to the 31st of October, first Irish Film Festival coming up, opening up with a great new film called Float Like a Butterfly which is about a young Irish girl growing up in a a disadvantaged community Mm. uh, who finds freedom and expression and her voice through through sport. In this case, it's boxing. Uh, But it's a really great film and it's about women's empowerment. It's about, you know, empowerment for minority communities, finding a voice really great film and we're very lucky to have Carmel Winters the writer, director, producer of the movie coming over she's going to be talking about the film and she's going to be doing some workshops in schools and colleges while she's here we also have a couple of classic films Once which people will remember from a few years ago lovely musical comedy set you know amongst the kind of the busking community on the streets of Dublin mm. uh, very good and The Crying Game uh, a film from the early 1990s which, which deals in a very interesting way with the whole issue of, of the troubles in Northern Ireland uh, the relationship between between Ireland and Britain and a lot of other issues. It's an early film by Neil Jordan, who of course went on to to do many many you know classic mainstream big budget films, and it's an absolute classic. And we're showing it in a new digital format, which which hasn't been seen on the big screen before. We've got a lovely documentary called The Camino Voyage about a, a an eclectic bunch of Irish musicians and poets who decide to row a boat uh, to northern Spain and kind of reconnecting uh, Ireland with our with our Celtic cousins in Spain and France and, and other parts of Europe, which which I think is a nice theme for the day as well. Uh, we have Song of the Sea, a lovely family film. It's an animation film. Mm. I think that'll be popular here. And we round off on October the 31st, which is, of course, Halloween. In Ireland, we call it Samhain, uh, and we feel that it, it very much is something that started in Ireland. It's, it's an ancient Celtic Druid uh, festival uh, that, that, that then spread around the world. But we're, we're showing a, a scary horror film called The Hole in the Ground, oh, I just to, to give everyone a little bit of a fright and a, and a jump and a squeal on, on the 31st. <laughs> of October and we, we hope to decorate the cinema with ghouls and skeletons and ghosts and things like that so sounds like great fun hope Speaking, you'll be there yeah. I will be Speaking of Irish influence that has spread around the world a little band from your part of the world is making its way to Singapore if I manage to get tickets to the U2 concert will I see you there Ambassador? You hopefully will you hopefully will I think I've managed to get tickets um, <laughs> although I'm so technologically inept sometimes I'm not sure you know and uh, you know the, the print at home thing is a real challenge for me but uh, I think I managed to get tickets. I'm not sure though, Michelle. I mean, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't urge you to go to ticket touts or anything like that, but I think it might be a sellout. Aww. I know they're, they're they're a young up-and-coming band, you know, and they're probably not very well known, <laughs> but uh, I think the word seems to have spread and got out. The last time I checked, I know there might have been a handful of the, uh, you know, ultra top-end VIP <laughs> package tickets around, so on your you know, massive radio presenter salary, maybe you can afford that. Uh. Oh, the Irish wit and humour. I have to kiss the Blarney Stone to be able to speak like you ambassador thank you so much for coming by you're very welcome it's been a pleasure absolute pleasure to meet you as well his excellency patrick byrne the irish ambassador to singapore to listen to more great interviews download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the sbh radio app available on google play or the app store